Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. How are you, Daniel? How are you, how are you doing, Charlie? Jesus, it's great to hear your voice. You're doing great. Listen, Charlie, there's a bit of a weed out problem. I was doing my training for your hill climb. I was kind of working on the stepmaster and I hurt me groin. So Magella has been rubbing in the hot stuff, the, the wintergreen cream to me groin. I'm not sure how I'm going, Charlie. Could you give us a piece of advice there? Well, I'll tell you, then keep working, keep working, keep growing. Welcome to a very, very special episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast, because my guest today is Charlie Bird, one of Ireland's best known reporters, a familiar face on all our TV screens and radio for many decades. But it was with great shock, I guess, and sadness last year uh, that Charlie discovered following a shock diagnosis of motor neuron disease uh, that he would be going through this terrible illness. Uh, And he learned that he was losing that famous voice. The months since at Charlie's diagnosis have been an utter roller coaster for him. He admitted to Ryan Tuberty on the Late Late Show last December that he cried every day since learning of his condition. But then something incredible happened. In a nutshell, the entire country came together in what can only be described as a swell of love and support for Charlie. Letters, emails, calls came flooding in. Letters simply addressed to Charlie Bird Wicklow. Um, And he says in our chat, something very special has happened to him over the last few weeks, and he has found peace. Charlie is now on a mission to turn this (laughs) giant negative into a positive, if it can be put like that. And in this chat, we talk about how he's planning to do that. The love he has felt from people all over Ireland since his diagnosis, the highlights of his career in RTE, and lots, lots, lots more. I'm hearing myself in a different way. My voice was my life. Now I know it's growing. And one day, it will be gone. Well, yes, indeed, Charlie. I'm hoping to climb Crowpatrick with you. But I have been offered the chance of a piggyback on Paul O'Connell. Is that still legitimate? Yes, anything is legitimate. If the ooze on the hair. And you know what they call me? What? The Rugged Ride. The what? R- rugged. Oh, you The geez. Rugged Ride. <laughs> <laughs> the Rugged Ride. It sounds like a Paul Kimmage book. Charlie also gets a little emotional when he talks about a very special and emotional moment he shared with Daniel O'Donnell, of all people, backstage at the first Late Late Show he did. We actually videoed the full interview um, in Dawson Street in Dublin uh, at the podcast studios. And I've actually snipped that little bit, that little part out. So it's on my Twitter, Instagram and Facebook pages. And it really is well worth checking out as you can really see um, the emotion in Charlie's face because the moment with Daniel, obviously, clearly meant so much to him. Right, my interview with Charlie Bird is coming up in a few minutes. But let's get to comedy, right? The story of the week. Well... What could it be? I've chosen, well, it can only be really, Boris. Again, Boris, Boris, Boris. What will we do? It's a drama, isn't it? It's a soap opera. It's, it's a TV show. I said, you said, he said, she said. 
It's like something you'd see on those kind of half-mad afternoon TV shows in England. I'm Jeremy Kyle. Today we're going to meet Boris. While the rest of us were in strict lockdown and not able to meet friends or family or even go to funerals, Boris is accused of having not just one party, but loads of parties. Let's see what he has to say for himself. Bring out Boris! to meet you. Boris, is this true? Did you attend a party? Well, well, you see, you know, I had no idea that it was a party. I I didn't actually know, you know. (laughs) Didn't know it was a party, did we? Are you taking the piss? Well, 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 nobody expressly told me in no terms not to attend. Well, Dominic says he did. Dominic, I'm I'm afraid I don't know. You don't remember Dominic? No, I'm afraid You were involved with him for years. Let's bring him out. Let's bring out Dominic. Shopping trolley. Fiddlesticks, you're a rotter. A Porky rotter, pie. A Porky pie, tell a shopping trolley. Shopping Shut trolley. Shut up the both of you. Sorry. Yes. Dominic. Sorry, sorry, sorry. What did you say to Boris? I told him to end this party, that it was madness not to go. And what did no. Boris say? He just laughed and said, don't be no. silly. Nonsense. Stupid Do you swear nonsense. to that? Nonsense. I would swear under oath. Oh, well, oh, on. one of you is lying. Well, 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 it's not me. It's not Boris, me. will you take a polygraph on that? Well, of course I'd take a polygraph. Connect him up to the polygraph machine. There we go. All set. No problem. It's a fact. Boris. Yes. The polygraph is activated. Yes. Are you prepared to tell the truth? Well, of course I'm prepared to tell the truth. And watch out for that report by Sue Gray, the civil servant. It's due out any moment now, and God knows um, what she'll say in it. Thanks, of course, to Curry's uh, for all their support for the Mario Rosenstock podcast over the last year and on into this year. And uh, we think they're great. And thanks for all their brilliant support. And thanks, of course, to you. Um, for listening, subscribing, following and recommending this podcast, if you do, to your friends and family. You can contact me personally, of course, mariorosenstock at gmail.com. I read them all um, and I get back to nearly all of them as well, although I've quite a lot coming in now at the moment, so I can't get back to every one of them, but I get back to the most of them. OK, let's get down to the meat of the show today. Let's meet the man of the moment, the great Charlie Bird. He's going through a very tough time. Yes, but I can tell you. He's looking fantastic. He powered up the steps of the podcast studio way quicker than I did. Of course, he's training for a big um, climb on Croke Patrick on uh, April 2nd, isn't he? Looking fantastic. He's got fire in his belly right now. And there was an aura around Charlie. There really was an aura of immense positivity and love. The love he is getting and the love he is reflecting back onto other people. Um, The man is on a mission to make something great out of this, well, not so great situation. This type of motor neuron disease he has means that he's losing his voice. And you will notice that it certainly isn't what it used to be. The voice is quite ragged and sometimes it's difficult to understand or just to follow the train of what he's talking about. Um, But if you listen that extra little bit more closely, you'll understand every word. And I promise you, it'll be worth it. So, here's Charlie. Charlie, how are you? Well, I'm not too bad. Um, I'm still alive. So, in my case... Every day that I'm still going is a good one. So, yeah, I'm in good form. Mm. You're saying, when you just a second ago, you were, you were sort of preempting and you were apologising for your voice. Actually, it's not that bad. I mean, I can pretty, every, it's easy to understand everything that you're saying. Well, that's great. 
But for me, it's a bit of an effort. And honestly, I'm hearing myself in a different way. My, my voice was my life. Now I know it's growing. And one day, it will be gone. Bang, gone. I will have no voice. And that's the first part of motor neurons that I have to take on board. Mm. I will have no voice. Is one of the one of the symptoms that that it that it goes for the voice first of all, or is is that one of the first ones? No, different people have different yeah. types of motor neurons. My motor neuron is called Bulba, which is affecting up here my voice and my swallow at the moment. I'm still mobile. I can walk ten. Even 15 miles a day. Well, no, it's funny because actually this podcast is at the top of a very, very uh, tall building and you powered up the stairs ahead of me. And you're less out of breath than me. But in fairness to me, you are in training to to climb a big mountain. Well, no, I've been in in training since the pandemic just to keep myself going. Uh, I I climbed Logan Aquila in September last year. I didn't know at the time I had motor neurons. I knew there was something serious wrong with me. And what I was trying to prove to myself, walk, walk, walk every day. Unfortunately, and for fact's sake, it didn't um, give me the answer which I needed, which was, I don't have motor neurons. Mm. And uh, so the truth is my motor neurons is affecting me up here. Maybe in the future it might affect my hands and my legs, but thankfully at this stage it's not affecting my legs. And um, I'm hanging in. Now you're more than that. You're powering. You're powering ahead. When you know, well, a couple of things here. First of all, believe it or not, I'm one of those people that Google people's ages. Right? I think yeah. we're all sec- I think we all have secret fetishes yeah. on Google. Let's not go down that road too yeah. much. Yeah. But uh, we all have secret. Fet- and one of mine is go- I love googling people's ages. Yeah. So I'll see somebody on the television. And I'll go. What age are they? Mm. I put their name in and I'll go, what age are they? And I've often done it with you. Yeah. And the reason I did it with you is because I couldn't believe it. Now, this is before motor neuron yeah. disease and everything. Because I go, Charlie Bird, he's been fucking knocking around for years, yeah. busting people here, busting people here, National Irish yeah. Bank over in America. Yeah, he's yeah. back and forth. What age is this Egypt? So I put in Charlie Bird, I think, and it, you were over 70. Yeah. You were over 70. And I was going, but he looks full head of hair. There's no, nothing uh, done to your hair. You're not, no. you're not dipping like Desi no. Cal or anything. And uh, full head of hair. And, uh, and you look about, I don't know, 53, 54? Most people, yeah. Most people say <laughs> um, that I'm, I don't even look 60. Now, yeah. And you, what, you're what, 70 what? I'm 72 Woo. now. Mm. I'm heading for 73. Yeah. I hope I live at least um, 73. But let me tell you a story. Yeah. My wife there had four good friends who she's with all the time. Mm. They're ladies with a great track. Yeah. And you know what they call me? What? 
The rugged ride. The what? R- rugged. Oh, you. The rugged ride. <laughs> <laughs> the rugged ride. It sounds like a Paul Kimmage book. It's not a Paul Kimmage book, but it's uh, it's it's better. So you're the rugged ride. I yeah. thought they'd call you the dirt bird. No, that is a nickname for me. <laughs> the rugged ride. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the point I was making was that you're you're 72. Yeah. You've always looked, you know, you've always obviously it's the walking, maybe some genetics, but it's obviously the I walk. Is genetics as well. Yeah, but there's you've you've obviously had a healthy life though in general, have you? I mean, did you ever drink to excess? You never smoked. No, I smoked the But but not in the last. No, no, thirty years. No, no, no. And then drink. Well, yeah, I used to, I, I used to love my tibber was a couple of pints of Guinness. Yes, hardly bad for you now. Well, oh, oh, the awful thing is now, I cannot drink Guinness. Why? Because the taste of it is like drinking poison. For me, is it for your medicate with your medication? Yeah. Ah, I I really uh, it's awful. I mean, I love the pint of mm. Is there side? Are there side effects to your medication? I mean, obviously it affects your taste. But, but I maybe more neurons as well. I do have not my voice, but every day I have to have my meals. Mm. And every meal for me is a bit of a struggle, mm. easy, mm. because um, that's where my motor neurons is up here. In the throat and, and neck yeah, area, yeah. yeah. And um, in fact, I'm struggling with a decision at the moment mm. because my consultants are telling me mm. We, I should have what they call a peg in my stomach. Mm. So they can feed me to my stomach. Okay, so you've got to think about this. I, I've been wrestling with that for mm. um, quite a while. I'm really over recently, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I would have to go into hospital every mm. couple of days. Mm. And I we're going to go on talk about the time. Mm. I don't want anything to affect me at mm. the moment. Okay. Are are you sleeping well at night? I am now, strangely, mm. but throughout the whole summer, before I had my diagnosis, I, I've not slept at all. Was that worry or? Absolutely. Mm. Every single night mm. for over four months, ah. I couldn't sleep. And also, strangely, I was... In the last two months, I started to lose weight yeah. drastically. And yet now, in the past two weeks... You put on a bit? I put on a bit again. Yeah. And which is, in a way, a good sign. Yeah. Now, I have to tell you this. Motor neurons is called the thousand-day disease. Why? Most people have... Motor neurons only live between one and three years after diagnosis. Okay. So, and why I probably have it now, a year mm-hmm. or near a year, even though I was diagnosed in October, mm-hmm. but they trace it back. Yes. So, but I live another year, but I live three years. Who knows? Yeah. But, um, I intend, for whatever time I have left, 
on this planet to start doing things for other people. I really mean that. Um, in a sense, as a bizarre thing, I, in a way, I finally come to accept my diagnosis and that I'm going to die. We're all going to die. This is right it, Charlie. Uh, this I, is, I mean, this is it, Charlie. Look, <laughs> look, sir, Charlie. If somebody, if if somebody said to me, Mario, you can have, sorry for being morbid, right? You can have an absolutely, completely class remainder of your life yeah. and die at 73. Would you take it? I'd go, mm, yeah, well, maybe. Well, thing of the young girl down in yes. Carmore. Yes, A teacher, 23. Ashling Murphy. Yeah. God, her whole life I had a yes. bang in one moment. Yes. In the afternoon. Yes. I was doing and she's gone. I know. So we never know. We never know when something like that yeah. is going to happen. But Charlie, I'm really interested in talking to you about this moment that you're talking about now. And I'd start by asking you, when you discovered you had more motor neuron disease or you were, you were, you were, you were actually diagnosed with in October, did your, I want to know about the arc that took place in your sort of personality and your feelings about it. Like, so when, in the weeks that followed your diagnosis, you know the way. How did you respond as a person to that? Fi- to that? To that? To that? Uh, well, you know, I was on the late, late. I told people openly and honestly for the first maybe eight weeks after my diagnosis, I cried every day. Hmm. I could cry as a drop of a heart. But why did you cry? Anything would set me off. But why? Yeah. Did, but why did you cry? Was it? Did you feel it was a sense of? I mean, I'm, I'm sorry for asking a truist. It's a truism. But did you cry out of a sense of? I'm going to die. I'm sad. No. Also, I will never see this or that yes. again. So there was a sense of poignancy. Yeah, absolutely. I'm living through. Maybe I I told this story before. Yes. Ireland by playing the old bags, and they sang Ireland's call. I was sitting on my sofa when I heard that music, a ball crying, because I found it was the last time I would ever hear that beautiful song. So, yeah, and now, thankfully... But something changed. Yeah. And after that Late Late Show appearance. Yeah, and then the first few weeks, and then the public reaction started. I mean... I, I cannot describe what happened. In a way, I still don't know. It's mad. But the letter came tumbling into my house yes. in Wicklow. Charlie Wicklow, Charlie yeah, Bird Wicklow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Rugged uh, ride Wicklow. Well, no, that, <laughs> but by God, they were amazing. And they're still coming. I cannot cope. I started off trying to reply to everybody. Mm. I can't do it now. There's too many that mm. come in every day. I mean, the most bizarre thing of all, a couple of weeks ago, I got a letter, a big parcel, has said from one post. When I opened it, it was a jar of honey 
from the GPO, whom pass from the bees upstairs on the GPO. Okay, yeah. They were I way reaching out to thank me, well, I probably thanked the unpass yeah. for all the way they got that yeah. to me. Yeah. The other day, yeah. I another letter from them, and they sent me slams, and amazing, I'm getting so many things from so many people. Yeah. I will tell you another point, which is really important. I'm not a religious person, but I get masked, I get all sorts of religious things from people. I'm happy to take those as well. I know they mean sense and good. Faith um, in good faith, yeah. yeah. Mm. And in the way I said to Ryan Tuberley last week, I said again to you, I mean this. There's somebody someplace helping me I didn't know about. I believe I'm being guided at the moment. It's bizarre. Charlie, you spent your life as a journalist. Yeah. You see you see the hard side, the bitter side, the weird side, the corrupt side. In fact, you've sought out and exposed corruption in many areas. Yeah. A journalist's life is, is, is you know, it, it, it's, it can be tough at times. But one of the things that happens to journalists is they often become cynical, and rightly so. Huh. And, you know, they cut hard-bitten journalist, you know, seen it all, done there, worn the T-shirt. And... You know, you, 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 you were in that world for, for so long. And then this happened to you. But then after your first Late Late Show appearance and you felt this, what can only be described as an outpouring oh. of love from mm. people. All kinds of love. Spiritual mm. love, uh. religious love, yeah. human love. Yeah. Just caring. Uh. Has it, did it, did it, did it, did it have a major shift in your feeling about humans? Yes, it has. And that's what I want to say now. I mean this. I have a whole new perspective on life and the way people... I can't walk down any street now, any place where I've been so. People waving, beeping horns. And the amount of people who are offering to climb, not just so powerful, but every mountain in the country, and by the way, what's happened in the past week, dozens of schools around the country are having young kids walking a mile from me on the second of April. I could spend the next 10 weeks visiting every school in the country. Mm. It's gone mad. Really, yeah. the whole thing yeah. is gone mad. Uh, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger by that day. And yesterday, I reached out to Don's stores. Yeah. Um, I said, but they think of helping me. Like that, mm. they were back. Mm. So on the 1st of February, Don's mm. stores right across this country are starting a major campaign to climb with Charlie. Mm, great. Everybody. I mean, there's so many people. Yeah. All over the place. Yeah. I can tell you now, 
So we even bigger developments in the next. Oh, brilliant! Of weeks. Brilliant! I'm not going to say More breaking it. news from Charlie Bird. Yeah, but <laughs> while can I say this is really important. Anyway, I hate sitting here talking about myself. There is somebody out there who will be listening to this podcast who will get a diagnosis of Morton's Parkinson's MS or will they have throat cancer or anything. Just think of all the people who have terminal illnesses. Mm. I am climbing Crowpatrick for every one of them. Mm. I'm also climbing Crowpatrick for, in a way, for everybody in this country. We've all gone through hell yeah. because of the pandemic. And the way for me is let's do this. And so I may be the person who is the vehicle, yeah. Yeah, but. By by golly, I want mm. everybody to be involved and for themselves. Mm. And in the end, two charities will benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Association yeah. and Pieta House. Pieta House, yeah. yeah and Pieta House, uh, the, the whole issue of people who have thoughts of self-harm mm-hmm. or suicidal thoughts is a big, big issue for me. I've known people mm. who have been in what I call that dark, dark place mm-hmm. and have lost their lives. Mm-hmm. So it really is for me important. And also in relation to Morton Jones, mm. I wanted to make sure that my money is put in for research. Yeah. So, in, in maybe a year's time, two years' time, something will happen mm. to turn it into, from a terminal illness, from a serious illness. Yes, but they, manageable. Yeah, but it won't come in time for me, mm. but I want that to happen. Yeah. And I think all of us, it, it's a natural instinct, yeah. all of us, but well, what you're saying to me is that like, I asked you earlier on about sleeping and you're sleeping better and you've, you know, you've put on a couple of pounds, which you had lost. And and all this thing has happened since your first Late Late Show appearance. Yeah. And, and, and what's brilliant about this, Charlie, is that like it's evident that your life has gone from a person who was, let's say, in a bit of darkness yourself to yeah. crying to being completely full of love and joy. You are receiving love and yeah. joy from other people. And you're bouncing it back. You are a reflector. It's like the sun is shining off you and you're giving it back to people. Yeah, I'm, I am. I don't understand how it's happening. I don't. I mean, every day now I'm up doing something working. I might have my wife say, we can spend 24 hours every day now working. But what really become important we have dozens of people helping us. Every single person involved with climate Charlie is doing it for nothing. Nobody's getting paid at all. Do you know how many people are uh, signed up for this now at this stage? No. Or thousands and thousands. I of think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't want. I don't want to put a finger on. Yeah. I I never thought of what was going to happen. No. Either. I said, Bob, 
Now, I don't know. People say we try. This is going to raise a million. Oh, wow, wow. That's fantastic. I don't know. Yeah. But I think it will. Oh, my, I think, but you know the way Irish people when they go down that road. Well, all I can do is <laughs> that the way it's taking off on Facebook, Instagram, social media, yeah. and the number of people contacting me, um, everybody, it's, yeah. it's, um, well, I'm telling you. Yeah. I mean, picture the idea. And you know, I just imagine this. Daniel O'Donnell will be standing on the top of Pro Party singing for me. <laughs> That's going to be brilliant. Think about that. Imagine it. <laughs> okay. What was I going to ask you? The, the, this is brilliant. It's taking place on April 2nd? Yeah. April 2nd. April 2nd. Well, not just on Pro Party. Mm. Yeah. All around Every, the country. Yeah. yeah. Mountains, you know. Sugarloaf, anywhere. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, he's bad or somebody else. Yeah, bad. Who's That's right. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I mean, people are going to climb sympathetically with you in other mountains. When you, where you I was saying to Claire that I think it's the Sugarloaf. Well, I want to hear now. Okay. All right. Commit I'm going to have to commit now. to it. I'm going to have to commit to it then. Hands up. Okay, okay. I'm there. I'm going to get my family involved as well. Dash, Bellamy, Blonnet, you're going to have to climb the sugar loaf with me. Hey. We're in. We're in. Charlie, um, I'm going to ask you to promote the uh, climb again towards the end of the podcast. Oh. But first of all, there's been some people listening in to the podcast. And uh, some people listening in, they want to ask you a few questions, say oh. a few words. And uh, if you wouldn't mind playing along with them and saying hello to them. Oh, yeah. So Daniel O'Donnell has been listening. Oh, Daniel. Say hello to Daniel. He's on the phone. How are you, Daniel? How are you, how are you doing, Charlie? Jesus, it's great to hear your voice. You're doing great. Listen, Charlie, I heard you talking there on the podcast saying that I'm going to be singing an old song on the top of Croke Patrick. Well, there's a bit of a weed out problem. I was doing my training for your, for your hill climb up the thing and... I, I was kind of working on the stairmaster, the stepmaster, and I hurt me groin. So Magella's been rubbing in the, rubbing in the hot stuff, the the wintergreen cream to me groin. I'm not sure how I'm going, Charlie. Could you give us a piece of advice there? Well, I'll tell you, then keep working, keep working, keep growing. And by the way, Daniel, yeah, I'm gonna make that phone call to you on Sunday. Okay, that's great. Yeah, I tell you a story, a real story. Is this to Daniel or to me? To you. Okay. Sorry, Daniel, say, but good luck. No, good this, luck. It's very important. On the night that I was on the first late day, Daniel O'Donnell was on before me. Okay? When I walked, when he walked out of the studio, I was walking in. And he said hello and said, I hope you everything. It was really nice to me. Hmm. After the show, when I was walking out of the show, Daniel was still at the door of his dressing room. And he walked over to me and he put something into my hand. What? I'm not telling you. <laughs> but I mean this. Yeah. It was the loveliest gesture any human being can do for another. 
I mean Oh. I mean Well, fair play to Daniel. I, I'm, I'm going to cry now. But this is a serious thing. Hmm. That man in that moment did something really remarkable for me. And I knew him, and we all have fun, but what he did in that moment had really lifted me. Mm. I mean it, and he knows what I'm talking about, but no one else does. But I tell you, that best gesture would be with me once I die. That's lovely, Charlie. That's really nice. Um, Michael D. Higgins is on the line. Michael, are you going to climb one of the fucking mountains with me? Well, yes, indeed, Charlie. I'm really enjoying this podcast, I must say. Are there any particular rules? Because <clears throat> I had a kind of an idea myself. I'm hoping to climb Kirkpatrick with you. But I have been offered the chance of a piggyback on Paul O'Connell. Is that still legitimate? Yes, any legitimate. If the oot on the hill is climbing for Patrick. But hold on now. If you have your two dogs with you. Well, yes. maybe. No, well, it's funny that you should say that because my two dogs, Mishnoch and um, Brod, they wanted to say hello to your dog, Tiger. Yeah, well, I tell you, <laughs> I've been the opposite. I've been Tiger of the Oral yes. to see you. Well, I would be Mishnoch and Brod. Yeah, anyway, listen. Michael D, you don't have a time for Patrick. No, no, you, I mean... No, you can walk around the Phoenix Park. Well, well I can, but I, I'm not asking Paul O'Connell to give me a piggyback around Phoenix Park. Well, the main thing is you're a pony up some cash. I will pony up some cash. It's a bit of a, bit of a dry January at the moment. I'm on a budget like the rest of us. But uh, anyway, yes, Charlie, see you there. All Great, right. nice one. Enda Kenny's on the line. Say hello. How are you, Charlie Bird, boom, boom. Great to talk to you. Fantastic. I heard Michael D. Uh, there on about the climb for April 2nd. Uh, just another question there. Is it possible to cycle up Crook, Patrick? No. Oh, shite. Oh, that's not. But in can climb it. Did it? Yeah. Did hey. you ever interview me, by the way? Oh, Jesus. How many times? Can you remember them? Because I can't. I can, indeed. I remember laughing. Great stuff. I'll see you there on April 2nd, Charlie. Yeah, ie. So, Charlie, this is Michael Deeg. I, I, I've just got a pen. Could you repeat that, please? Thank you, Charlie. Right. Charlie, um, thanks for taking all those calls. Um, I mean, I wanted to talk to you just a little bit about your career. Um, my, I'm a big fan of your uh, outside government buildings part of your career. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is Charlie Bird and nabbing, Hands up. Na- nabbing Charlie Hawhey and all those people. And that was I'm a big fan of that career. But one, of my, but but another part of your career that I find interesting is your Washington part. I think. Am I right in saying that there was a point in you were the Washington correspondent for our for team about was, 14 months yeah, yeah was there a part of that am I right in saying that you felt lonely and you didn't enjoy well yeah I mean I've, I've said this before 
I admit, in a sense, for me, it was a mistake to change the job. Why? Well, because at the time, I spent my whole fucking career outside Lancer House. And, you know, being older, I wanted to move on mm. and do something. And Washington came up. Uh, I reluctantly applied for it and then got it. And... Um, there is a plus side to what I'm talking about But when I went to Washington, my first grandchild, who called Charlie, was born. And I wanted to be there. Mm. I wanted to be to see my first grandchild and my two daughters. And also, I had met my now wife, Claire. And um, it was difficult to carry on a romance across the Atlantic. And also, I was of that age where I wasn't certain, but I've admitted it openly in a way I think I shouldn't have applied for. But I was fortunate in one thing. I was there when the first black man was president of the United States. Yeah. Think about it today. Yeah. And when they were talking about America and God is going to become a dictatorship or anything, American politics getting worse and worse. But at least I stood on the map on the day that Barack Obama was elected sworn in. Yeah. I was there when was on the day of the voting up in Chicago. Yeah. At six o'clock in the morning, I met a black woman who was chewing to vote, who had never voted in her life before. Never, never, never. And the history, I would go down the history of America that a black person was made voted as president. And even more bizarrely, he was voted a second time. In the history of America, we lived through something amazing. So for the first 14 months, I was there. Mm. So it was amazing mm. for me. Mm. But I have openly admitted this. It was probably not a great idea yeah. for me to go there. I tell you, all the people who have been there before me or after me, including Brian O'Donovan, who I just left, I mean, they're fucking far better than I was Oh, ever. that's very nice of you to say. I mean, the, the people were brilliant. I mean, we had great people, Mark Little, Robert Charles, Carl Homer, ah, all the nice. people. Uh, well, Charlie, yeah, that's very nice of you and very um, very magnanimous of you to, to, to say that. Well, but, I mean it. But I'm sure they would also accept that you are bloody brilliant at what you did as well uh, in your own sphere. Am I right in thinking then, because I go on tour sometimes as a, as a, a on, on tour doing my stage mm. show and if I'm away from the house for more than two days, I pine. Are you a bit of a homebird? Um, yes. Mm. I am now because, I mean... When I left RTE, you know, I, I came on. But I, I mean, I love my work. I mean, I keep talking about this. I, I 
never had university education. Mm -hmm. I failed every exam I ever did. <laughs> it was important. Yeah. There's a moral to this yeah. story. Yeah. There are people who will listen to this podcast who may be in the same position as me. I keep saying, if you have the energy and the courage to do what you want, work hard, be it a motor mechanic, a hairdresser, whatever it is, if that's what you set your goals to, grow and do it. Work hard. Yeah, and that's what I did. I crawled into what he using my fingernails. And everybody knows the story. The first time I walked into a newsroom, I'd been a researcher for six years and already working on seven days on Bushable. But when I walked into a newsroom in Austria, I couldn't spell. Mm. I had a small pocket dictionary hidden in my pocket. And the first report, I used to see a word I couldn't spell. I'd run out to the toilet, go mm. in my apartment. There's no spell check on the computer. No. And for a while, it was hell. Mm. But the amazing thing was, eventually my mates around me realized it was something. I said, Charlie, what do you want to know? And it lifted. And that was, if you like, the love I found among my colleagues who were really generous in spirit to me. And, um, and I ended up, you know, able to spare. I worked hard. I was a complete idiot in that sense. But, you know, I, I, it was tough for me. And I sit here today, I can't believe the um, career I've had. Mm. I jokingly say to people, how many people have you met in your life that were at the North Pole and the South Pole? Mm. I was. Mm. I was a man. Now, I didn't go the hard way. I was making documentaries. I remember your documentaries, yeah. Well, I was at the North Pole and I swam there. I camped at the South Pole for five days yeah. with John Murray from crossing the line. Yeah. So I have been blessed yeah. in my career. You have. Blessed. You have, yeah. And um, so that's what I'm saying to people. Never be afraid to go out and aim for the goal that you want. Mm. And usually what I call my fingernails. Mm. To throw yourself into that position. Yes. I have been so lucky. Yes. And I am. Now, you've been lucky, but you've also had a credible hard worker and no small amount of talent as well, Charlie. But a lot of people listen to this podcast. Um, what's your message for the people listening to this podcast? Um, enjoy yourself. If you're climbing, enjoy it. It should be a celebration for everybody. As I said before, when I climb for Patrick, I will be lighting four candles at the top. The first one will be for everybody in this country 
was a terminal illness, not just for me, for everyone. And as I said earlier, in a way, I want to make this a celebration for everyone. Hopefully, we're coming out of the pandemic. So the second candle will be for those. And the third candle will be for my, the way I phrase it, for somebody who is in a dark place. Somebody who has maybe suicidal thoughts or self-harm. We need to reach out to you. Never, never, ever be afraid to reach out to somebody who is in a dark place. Put your arm around them and say, look, we'll help you. And if we can do that, anyway, the fourth candle is for everybody who's climbing whatever mountain they are. Um, Charlie, thank you. Um, for anybody, obviously people can't, really, can't see this, they can hear it, but like, I, I just feel so, um, I just feel like there's so much positivity radiating, out, radiating from mm-hmm. you. So much positivity. Mm-hmm. So much. Like you are, you are in fucking cracking form mm-hmm. and it's good to see. Um, and when I reached out to you, when we reached out to you to do the podcast, you and Claire were so forthcoming. And I know you're busy and I know you've got a lot of um, people um, clamoring for your attention and sending in stuff. So thank you for coming in and doing this. I tell one last thing. I walked in here this morning, scared out of my wits, and my voice wouldn't hold up. It's fantastic. But it is amazing. It is held up. I told you, something strange is happening to me. So thank you. You're welcome, Charlie. The climb is www.climbwithcharlie.ie. On the 2nd of, the of April. April. And I now have committed with Bellamy and Dash and my wife, Blonnet, to climb shite. Sugarloaf. And you can climb any <laughs> mountain and walk any path. All right. Charlie, good health. Stay safe. It was absolutely brilliant meeting Charlie. It was my first time ever meeting Charlie Bird. And uh, I was blown away by his positivity. And by the energy coming from him, the positive, um, the positive energy coming from him, he was brilliant. And regards as well to his lovely, um, his lovely wife Claire. Um, Charlie's walk is on April second. Uh, we're all, well, a lot of us are going to, in sympathy, climb wherever we can find a sympathetic climb. I might not climb Grove Patrick. Uh, I might climb Sugarloaf or Tick Knock or somewhere like that. Um, on April 2nd or it doesn't even have to be on April 2nd maybe before or after but do get involved or try to donate if you can't climb yourself Um, we've released the little bit um, of Charlie talking about the Daniel O'Donnell moment um, as a video Um, you'll find it on my Twitter at GiftGrubMario you'll find it on Mario Rosenstock Facebook or uh, Mario Rosenstock Official Instagram worth checking out because you can really feel uh, and see the emotion um, in Charlie's face Listen, that's it from this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. A really special one. Um, I think you'll agree. I'll be back same time, same place next week. See you then.